All right, we're going to be looking together this morning in the book of Luke, in chapter 17. In the book of Luke, in chapter 17. And I'm going to read the first six verses of this chapter. Chapter 17, as the Lord uses His Word as He sees fit and as He has promised to do. He said it would never return void, but accomplish the reason why He sent it. And so we trust that this morning. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 17 of the book of Luke. Then said He unto His disciples, and this is Jesus speaking, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto Him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. We have to be awfully careful about that. Then Jesus said, Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And by the way, I remember one time many years ago, teaching a series on that we should forgive him even if he doesn't repent. And there's scriptural basis for doing so, and I've always done it, and it's been good for me. Because we're not to hold grudges against people, and, and uh, that's a bad thing. So we forgive him. In verse 4 he said, And if he trespass, now notice this verse real careful, And if he trespassed against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now think about that. You know, we would agree that we're rarely ever offended by anyone. And, um, you know, if you got the right attitude, you're going to rarely ever be offended by anyone. You all know that a lot of the men pick on their preacher really bad. And they know I, I don't ever get offended, so they do so and laugh, and I laugh back, and then I pour it back to them if I have a chance to. So, so if you have a right attitude about everything, it's hard to get offended. It's hard, you know, uh, you know sometimes we're not careful. We go about and what everybody else thinks about us is the most important thing in the world. Well, it's not. And you might remember that last week I shared with you uh, what Paul said, he that planteth and he that watereth is nothing. And I told you, you preacher, that's the way he feels about himself. I'm nothing. He's everything. You know, it's like John said, I must decrease and he must increase. And you know, for him to increase requires that we decrease in our attitude about ourselves. I asked somebody how they was doing this morning, and the answer was, better than I deserve, and I like to hear stuff like that. So, Jesus is saying, and this is really important to help us understand this passage of Scripture. Then in verse 5, here it is, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root and 
and be cast uh, and be thou planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now think about that. And what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about the degree of faith, and of course what goes along with uh, great faith is a great understanding of his will. We're told in the book of 1 John that we are not to pray out of his will, but we're to pray in his will. And we can know that. We can know that by the teaching of the word. We can know that by sensing the leadership of the Holy Spirit and those kind of things. But Jesus is talking here about the degree of our faith. Now let me leave that spot for just a minute. And I want you to look in 1 Corinthians and chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. This was the text last Sunday morning. And I'll share with you why that I've gone back to read this. Now they were fussing about who they thought was more important, Paul or Apollos. And Paul told them that they were acting carnal. And there was division among them. And of course that's what's required for there to be division in the Lord's church. And Paul says this in verse 5, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? In verse 6, I have planted and Apollos watered. And remember the, the words that I've been preaching on for a while, but God gave the increase. But God, that's what the topic has been. Someone suggested this morning, or maybe I uh, took it and went run with it, or whatever. But anyway, I'm going to make a, a I'm going to make a um, note, and I'm going to tape it to the back of that car down there that has but but God on the glass. And I'm going to tell them that they've inspired about twelve, fourteen sermons up here on top of the hill. Come on up and hear. But anyway, it says, "But God gave the increase." So then, neither it is He that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now that was probably the last text that I'm going to use, using that that term, but God. And how I used that last week, you'll remember that if you was here, I used it in this way, that I think sometime about series that I preach, and I do it all the time. I, I mean, I think sometimes I shouldn't, but it's the way the Lord leads me. I can't help that, and I'm not, I don't want to help it. But I, I preach oftentimes in series, and it's because I'm so feeble-minded, I get my mind on one thing, and I can't think of nothing else. But anyway, I believe that's the way the Lord leads me uh, to share His Word. And here's what I did with this. I told you that I wonder sometimes what benefit uh, the gospel is, preaching of the gospel. I can't help that. I can't change that. In other words, if I feel like sharing something with you, then, then God has got it. And what He chooses to do with it, that's His will and purpose and plan, and that's fine. But I'm interested in the increase. I, I really am, and I can't help that. 
I can't help that. Uh, be interested in increase. Now over the years, I've pastored a couple of churches that wasn't interested in that and actually even began to decrease. I can't take that. I'm just sorry. I can't. There's, especially when there's no excuse for that. I remember one time Brother Bruce Truman called me up and he said, can you meet me in Lexington? I'll buy you dinner. I've got, I want to talk to you about something. And he was pastoring a church in Louisville that was decreasing. And he was like myself. He told me, he said, I just can't take it. And my advice to him was, if there's a reason why that's happening, that's one thing. But if there's no obvious reason for that, it must be spiritual decline that is causing it. And I, I was right about that. I, I believe that with all my heart. And, I, and he went on to explain to me that the uh, community where that church was had changed and people had moving out and leaving there. So there was a reason. And my advice to him was to stay. But he couldn't help himself and he ended up somewhere else as a result of that. So my concern is always the increase. It's for myself too. You know, Lord, I want to grow. I want to increase. I want to increase more, more love for Thee as the song goes. And, and, and more faith in Him and things like that. That's me. That's the way I am. I can't help that and don't want to help it. I don't, sometimes I think that there's no excuse for decrease. None whatsoever. Other than spiritual decline. And that may be true in a person's personal life. Individual life. And over the years, I've known many uh, to begin to backslide and things like that. And it was caused by uh, too much attention to things in the world and temporal things or whatever, uh, taking their devotion and their uh, motivation away and stuff like that. And it can happen. And I think maybe there may be some of you that understand that. You might say, well, that happened to me one time. Or maybe it's happening to me. You know, my... My concerns and my interests in things are in decline. So I'm interested in the increase. I can't help it. You wouldn't want a preacher that didn't care whether there was increase or decrease. You wouldn't want a preacher. You'd run me off if I failed, if I, if I ever got to the place where I wasn't interested in growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I ain't worth a dime anyway, but I wouldn't be worth a dime for sure if that ever happened to me. And so I'm interested in that. And what I did with the message was, I shared with you that we had studied, we had had 12, 10, 12 sermons on that subject, but God, and always it's about divine intervention. Divine intervention. The Lord's stepping in. He's either causing things to happen or He's uh, uh, preventing them from happening. And so that's what that whole series was about. And Brother Tim Hall and I got in a good conversation this morning about that kind of thing. He'd read a track on the sovereignty of God. And Brother Wayne, if you can get that track, uh, I know you left it out there on the table uh, then I would encourage you to do that if you can get that track. Brother Wayne takes care of our track ministry. 
and he's equipped for it and has a lot of experience. And so Tim was sharing with me some things that was in that, the sovereignty of God in providence. And I said, brother, I believe it. I preach it all the time. And, and so what I was sharing with you, what should 10 or 12 sermons on divine intervention do? Well, I stopped and I thought about myself. I said, Lord, what, is it, what impact has it had on me? And I shared with you that nobody learns more than the teacher or the preacher of the Word. Nobody learns more. You could understand how that would be true. And so, I shared with you the impact that it had on me. Was there increase in my experience as a result of preaching those 10 or 12 sermons on divine intervention? Divine intervention. It ought to be something we're either thankful for, praise Him for, or saying, oh my. Because he, he does intervene the other way too. And so, I shared with you, I forget how many points, but I remember the first one was that uh, a series like that ought to cause us to learn more about God. We could understand that, how that would be true. And so that was a point. And then one of the points in that was that it ought to increase our faith. And, and, and I shared with you that uh, no, no, nothing that I deserve, but that over the years my faith has grown stronger and stronger and stronger. It really has. As a matter of fact, sometimes I scare myself. <laughs> you know, and when faith kicks in, and you know I've preached a whole lot to you about uh, where faith is, fear just has a hard time existing. They don't exist together. And the Bible's very clear about that. So in sharing with you the impact that that series had had on me, and it was sincere, I'm telling you, uh, it was just the way it was. The four or five points that I shared with you was how that thinking about divine intervention that long from all the different texts had had an impact on me. And it had increased things in my life and in my experience. And so... It's my prayer that keeps on. I love increase. I love increase. Well, before everybody got gone in the line, somebody said, Preacher, that would be a good subject uh, to study. And most of the time when people say that, uh, it, it's the Wednesday night Bible studies. And by the way, they are awesome. To me, they are. Not because I teach them, but because God teaches me from the Word and I share the truths that are there. Every once in a while this happens. It happened just not long ago. But I said to someone, no, that's, that's not what the Bible teaches. And here's, here's the truth about that. And, and the response was, well, preacher, you ought to preach that. Well, I do. <laughs> but if you're not here very often, you might not know it. You see what I'm saying? And I, I told that person, well, just take to coming to Wednesday night. You won't be wondering what I'm teaching or whatever. Those are the deeper things, if you might imagine. Those are questions that are coming from people. Preacher, what does, what does, what's the truth about this? Or what does the Bible have to say about this or that? And not long ago, Sister Shirley Hardy said, Preacher, I want to know what limited atonement is. Can you teach on that subject? I said, I sure will. And so I've been teaching on that subject. Uh, you know, 
And so, so uh, the increase. But somebody said to me, you ought to teach on that. Teach on that, uh, the increase of faith. So I just decided right quickly that I was going to use this text. Now I want to point out something about, it, it'll take me two or three messages probably to share what I want to share with you about this. And uh, you say, well here you go again. <laughs> uh, we might as well just get ready for about 12, 14 sermons. No, probably not. But I will preach a while on this thought. The increase of faith. Now I wonder this morning, how many people that are under the sound of my voice, wherever you are, and they might be somebody in Russia, or Afghanistan, or Pakistan, or China. You say, really? Yes, they... I give you a report every once in a while where all our worship services are going. But anyone under the sound of my voice, have you ever prayed a prayer like this? Have you ever said in one way or the other, Lord, increase my faith? Well, I hope that when I get through sharing this with you, that more people will pray that prayer and you might understand the reason why. You see, if you've never had the desire that your faith grow, it might be that you've never become aware that it needs to. And you may be one of those that think, I don't need to grow. I don't need to learn more. I don't need to worship more. You know, there are people like that. They, they may not say it, but they act it out. They act it out. But I'll call this attention. Now, I'm gonna, what I'm going to share with you is I'm going to share with you that the Bible tells us how that can happen. And I would suggest that if you're interested in the subject, that you be prepared to write down, to take notes uh, related to what the Bible says about how our faith is increased. I'm going to share that with you over some time. But one of of them is found right here in our text. Why did these apostles say to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith? I think I know why. As a matter of fact, I know I know why. Because here's what the reason is here. In verse 3 and 4, here's what it said. It said, Jesus said, Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Now most of us, to be honest with you, and it's nature, human nature, we're not very forgiving. I've over the years canceled with so many people. I have witnessed marriages and homes breaking up and destroyed for no other reason than failure to forgive. I'm serious. Failure to forgive. You don't know how many times I've heard people say, I just can't. But you know what? If you're a Christian, you just can. You really can. And I could, oh man, I could write a book about all the things that I've seen Good things I've seen happen because of forgiveness. Because of forgiveness. And making people even closer than ever before over the grace of forgiveness. 
What a wonderful thing that it is. And so Jesus addresses this to his, to his followers. And in verse 4, and this is the clincher, it says, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day. Now most of us would say, that's it. I might do it once, but twice, nah. You know, I wouldn't. But Jesus emphasizes something in the way that he taught them if they do it seven times in one day, then what do you do? Jesus said, you forgive Him. You forgive Him. No wonder they said the very next verse, Lord, increase our faith. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You probably already know it. But faith dictates so much in our life. We may not even be aware, aware of it. How much that it impacts us and affects us, faith in our life. And, and, it, and it does. And, I, and the Bible says that uh, over and over. But they said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, I want to I share with you first uh, the fact that the Bible points out that there are degrees of faith there might be little faith. There might be great faith. And he illustrates one of them here in the sixth verse when he says if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, how many of you have ever seen mustard seed? Now I don't know whether it's the same one that I planted in my garden every September after some of my crop is uh, took in and I clean the garden off and go in there and plow it and I sow mustard and turnip and kale. I sow those three things. We eat a lot of greens. We love them. And uh, for years I'd sow mustard and turnip and kale and the kale wouldn't amount to nothing. I got to notice in one year that on the outside edge of that, the kale would be flourishing, but it, I wouldn't get any anywhere else. And it thought come to me, well, maybe it won't do well with all the others. They get smothered out. And so I got to put in my mustard and turnip and in one spot, and then the kale in another spot, and the kale flourished and done just wonderful. So if you sow uh, greens in your garden, you can say, the preacher shared with me how to do that. Uh, but anyway, uh, a grain of mustard seed. I don't know if it's the same. Sometimes, uh, like a sycamore tree, and the Bible's not a sycamore tree that we know about. But anyway, uh, the mustard seed are so extremely small. And if you mix, you know, you have to be careful how you sow them because to get them even and everything. You have to mix the seed up and everything. And Sometimes I'll put it in a little bit of fertilizer and mix that up and throw it on or... Or, what, or ashes, or whatever. It don't matter just to get it sowed. But Jesus, don't, don't misunderstand what He's saying here. When, when I read that, it comes to my mind how small that seed is. And that's what Jesus is saying. If your faith was really tiny like that, really small like that, you could say to a tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea. And the point is that Jesus is teaching about the degree of faith. Now folks, I want to tell you something. The degree of faith, you just would not, you would not conceive if you don't think about it and understand what the Bible says. The difference that it will make 
in your life. The, the degree of faith. Look with me in Matthew and chapter 8 and chapter 9. Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9. And I want you to turn there because I want you to see this. Chapter 8 and chapter 9. And when you just start out reading, you run into, for example, in the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 5. Now remember, this is what I'm teaching about. I'm teaching about the degree or measure of our faith. And as, as we go along, I'm going to share with you that it has, you would not believe the impact that it will have. But here's what Jesus said beginning in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto, came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the, the centurion answered and said, Lord, boy, what a humble man he was. I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. He was a centurion. He was a Roman centurion. Having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Now notice this. And when Jesus heard it, He marveled. Can you imagine someone's attitude marveling the Savior? Well, it did. And he said, said unto them that followed, he wasn't talking to this man, he was talking to his followers, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. That should have been the nation of people, the Jews, where the faith should have been. And as a matter of fact, that caused him to go on and say this in verse 11, And I say unto you that many shall come uh, from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about the religious people of his day. So can religious people be a mess? They sure can. And he said they're going to be cast into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell that Jesus is talking about. Yes, it's real. And he's talking about it. And so what he's saying, and what I want to point out is in verse 10, he said, I have found no, uh, I found so, not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And he calls this man's faith great. And I want to tell you something about it. As you think about this, it had an impact on what his attitude was and what he believed. It had an impact on that. His faith did. His faith did. Then, uh, also in this 8th chapter, look with me beginning in verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And beheld, behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Now I've had the privilege of being on the Sea of Galilee. And I remember that it was a little bit rough. The Sea of Galilee is not as big as people might think it is, and sometimes 
uh, down off the mountain comes winds and stuff and really stirs a storm. And there's several places in the New Testament that talk about the storms that happened on that sea. But Jesus was asleep. In verse 25, And His disciples came to Him and woke Him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Has anybody been real scared? Been real afraid? That something was going to happen to you? Or whatever? Have you ever been there? Have you ever witnessed the fear just going away? Completely? I've shared this with you that fear is a good thing. God blessed us with it. Keeps us from getting in trouble. But it don't stay. They said, Lord, save us, we perish. And Jesus saith unto them, listen to this, Why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Now, talking about the degree of faith and how it motivates things or uh, has an impact on the way we respond or whatever, they were fearful. He said, oh, you have little faith. What if their faith had been great? I tell you, I think they wouldn't have been fearful. They wouldn't have been afraid. They was in the ship where Jesus was asleep, was in the boat. (laughs) They wouldn't have been afraid, but their faith was little, little tiny faith. Little tiny faith. And uh, so they were afraid. And I've shared this with you sometimes. I've just been amazed at how there was no fear when there probably should have been in experience experiences that I've had. No fear whatsoever. And uh, you, most of you know this. I've been attacked at church. Your preacher has been attacked. And I give God the glory and praise. There was never any fear. Because I knew if the writing don't get you, the left will. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't think that, but I tease, I joke about it every once in a while. You have little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. There was great calm. Now let me show you another one right quickly. In the Nath chapter, right here, these are all in here close together. And the Bible says in verse 1, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Now listen to this. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now that's interesting because you would think, and they did, he should have said, Arise up and take your bed and walk. Because it goes on to say, And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your heart? For what, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath the power on earth to forgive sin, Then saith he unto the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up thy bed, and go into thy house. 
So what Jesus, what the Bible is saying there, what did Jesus see? He saw their faith. Well, he knew what was in their heart. He would have known the, the, the degree of their faith, but he saw those four, what they did to get this friend to Jesus. They couldn't get to him. The people, for the press, the people were so crowded around Jesus. They were going to bring him to Jesus for healing. And they couldn't get him there. So they went up on the roof and they took the roof up and they let his bed down to Jesus. And, and the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. He knew their faith already. But how many of you know faith sometimes manifests itself and it can be seen and witnessed? And so that's what he's talking about. Then I'll give you, another, uh, give you a couple more. Uh, in the 20th chapter of the ninth, uh, ninth, uh, 20th verse of the ninth chapter, it says there, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And Jesus turned about him, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good cheer, or good comfort rather. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I could tell you a lot of stories about how that people were healed. And it was obvious that it was great faith. If you want to be healed and you don't have faith, don't waste your time. Because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen so many times. I've told you the story many times about the young man I knew. One time he was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctors said, you're going to have to take chemotherapy to take care of this. So he went and for some reason, and sometimes people can't, he could not, as a matter of fact, it had an awful adverse effect on him, and he could not take chemotherapy. And he talked to me about it. And he said, I'm going to tell the doctor, I can't take that anymore. And he went and told the doctor that. And the doctor said, this cancer will probably kill you then. Because it's, it, you need to take this treatment. And I talked to him again. He said, I've decided that I'm going to trust the Lord with it. I'm going to trust the Lord. That's what he told me. And he, well, he called me when it was, I don't know, maybe one or two o'clock in the morning. Woke me up and said, can you come to my house? I said, just let me get my clothes on. I'll be there. And he was sitting in the living room floor. He had his, the family Bible open and he, he had a scripture passage and he said, Preacher, can you tell me what that means? And I told him what it means. He said, he told me, he said, I'm trusting the Lord with my physical issue 100%. We had prayer and everything. Several months went by and I was visiting uh, in the hospital in Kingsport, Tennessee. And this hospital... I forgot the name of it now, but part of it used to be a nursing home. And the hall to, from the main hospital back to those rooms that they had 
you, uh, where that nursing home used to be, they were so long. And I was walking down that hall, and a, door, a, a man stepped out. And when he stepped out, he looked at me, and he come running. I mean, he was flying. And he just jumped in my arms like some of these little kids do every once in a while. Thrills my heart. And he said, Preacher, I just got word from the doctor. I'm healed. He said, they can't explain it, but me and you know what it is. And I said, yes, we do. And years later, I checked on him. And he's still plugging right along and everything. But faith, Jesus told her, your faith has made you whole. I've seen a lot of prayers answered. I told uh, Kelly's friend this morning, I said, you, you, you share your prayer request here at Emmanuel and Lord has answered many, many prayers here. And He has. So many. And so, Jesus told her, your faith has made you whole. And then let me give you another one. Now remember the subject matter is degrees of faith. In verse 27, And when Jesus uh, departed thence, two blind men followed Him, crying and saying, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, uh, the blind man came to him, and Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, so be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightway charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Now the reason Jesus said that is because He healed people, but He didn't want to be known as only a healer. He wanted to be known as a healer of the heart of fallen man. But He did heal people. And He says here, according to your faith. I hope this morning that I've shared some things with you to lock this in your mind. I think I need my faith to grow. And I think I've found out how to start. And where I start is, I go to the Lord because I know that I can pray that prayer because it's prayed in the Bible. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Well, somebody might think, well, I think what I'll do is I'll wait around until I really have to. I'll wait for some tragic thing to happen in my life when I'm shaken in fear. I'm defeated in fear. And then I'll decide that I want more faith. Don't do that. And understand something. I don't care how strong your faith is this morning or how strong you think it is. You always need more. You always do. You need more faith. And I can't wait to share with you some of the reasons why and some of the things that will happen if you your faith grows. And so... Uh, the degree of faith. The Bible acknowledges it and the disciples asked the Lord to increase it. Now I didn't get into any of those ways in the Scripture that our faith is increased. In other words, you might say, well, is prayer all there is? No, there's some more things that are involved in that too, in the growth of our faith. Now, I've done shared with you what I think about the little word increase. Well, what if every member of Emmanuel Baptist Church 
starts falling on their face before God and say, Lord, I believe I need my faith to be increased. And I'm going to start praying, and I'm going to take notes. I'm going to write down everything the Bible says, what's involved in that process. What would happen? We would see increase in our church life because we don't like decrease. Amen? We don't like it. Or I don't. I can't speak for everybody, but I don't. So let's all start there. And when you come back to church next Sunday morning, you'll be able to write down some of the things that are involved in that. Father, we thank You and praise You for this privilege we've had to look at these passages of Scripture. And I thank You for the person that requested more study on the subject. And it's such an important subject. And I know You're going to bless us. I know You're going to bless each individual that takes it seriously with increase. I know You will. And so I pray that You work in our lives. And of course, we know that when there's increase in our personal walk with Thee, there's also increase in Your honor and Your glory in the way that we exalt Your kingdom and cause and name. So bless us, Lord. And as we sing this closing number, if there are those here that You've been speaking to their hearts and convicting them of need, that maybe there might be commitments made this very moment as we sing this closing number. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand together with me while Brother Aaron leads us.